Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. Still the email address. Find us on Facebook on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter. Hello, Dan. Hey, Ty. How are you? I'm doing well, I think. You bouncing back from your illness? I'm bouncing back, baby. All right. What was what if you could point to one single thing yeah. that has that has cured what ails you? What would that be? Well, pretty much my entire body was broken. Okay. A, a week ago. Like I had the fever, the cough, the aches, that anything you can think of, I pretty much had go wrong. Mm-hmm. So to have all that behind me is good. The one that I think is most apparent to the listening audience is the voice. Right. I no longer sound like a smoker. So yeah. I'm excited about that, Dan. I'm excited I can talk to you and not strain my voice. Yeah, I mean, you've been smoking more cigars than usual. You know, I but, have, but I've been yeah. trying to quit because I knew that I'd have a long season of broadcasting. This is true. It finally this caught up true. with me last weekend, uh, last weekend of the year. But I'm I'm good now. I'm back on the mend. I'm, I'm feeling good. What uh, what are we going to talk about tonight? There are no games. There are no games, but I feel like we could have a, a smart guest who will bring up the intelligence quotient that is normally lacking on this show. And uh, maybe an old friend. What do you think? Stuart Mandel from FoxSports.com. Is he available? I think that's a, that'd be a great idea if we can get him. Okay. Well, Stu Mandel will join us yes. momentarily to talk about all things coaching, to talk about all things playoff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot going on now. Finally, at long last, we have a chance to take a step back, to take a deep breath, to reflect on what happened, to reflect on what has been happening over the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, Stu always has a really fresh perspective on all the latest happenings in college football. Is there anything out there, Daniel, that uh, as you look across the college football scene, mm-hmm. you still got stuck in your craw? Uh, I'm just I'm more curious than anything how teams react or overreact or don't react to how the playoffs were the playoff yeah. in, in its first season, obviously. There's the big 12 and will they panic and try to add teams in hopes of increasing a, their visibility and TV money. And of course a championship game and how will teams schedule looking forward and how will teams not schedule and what, whatever the college football landscape is going to look like, not just in 2015, but 16 and 17 as a result of a very clumsy first year, although I don't know if a ton of people beyond Baylor and TCU fans have a problem with the playoff, but just in the way it was, you know, the, all of a sudden game control is a term and yeah. there's rankings and the rankings don't mean anything or mean a little bit. And it changes week to week. Curious about the, the fallout from, from 2014. I I'm interested in getting some more feedback from our ballers out there because yes. Without question, it was a controversial decision to put Ohio State in there. Mm-hmm. But now that we're a couple days removed from that decision, everyone seems fine with it. I haven't heard much, if anything, about leaving Baylor out, leaving TCU out a couple days now removed from this big decision. The mm-hmm. only comment I got from someone that I know from a friend of mine who isn't a super college football fan like you and I are. Right. But he was pretty excited in saying that college football won him back on new year's day, Mm -hmm. won him back on new year's day. You've got two great games. You can go out new year's Eve. You can party it up. You can wake up late and you can still catch both the semifinal games in the sugar and Rose bowl starting at five o'clock Eastern. I will be at the Rose bowl. You will be at the Rose bowl. I'm going to be at the Rose bowl. Does this mean I have sole control of the Twitter? No, I'm going to change the password. Oh no. Um, it's going to be, yeah, and I can't imagine I'll have great service in the bowl. Uh, what? So the Rose Bowl is five. Rose Bowl's at thirty five, Eastern, and then the Sugar Bowl's at eight thirty Eastern. Shoot, I got to figure out what I'm. In. Oh, actually, you know what? West Coast Kevin lives not too far from uh, from the Rose Bowl, so I Boom. guess I'll go back there and watch it there. Well, there you oh, go. Nice. Yeah, so it's going to be a great time on New Year's Day, whether you're actually at the game or watching mm-hmm. from afar. I'm excited about that. I I just. I don't know if I I necessarily have a stand on whether it worked or didn't work or if they got it right or wrong, but I'm just 
I'm curious for more feedback from people because that's sort of what we do on the show. Solid verbal um, at Gmail dot com. And I guess more broadly, speaking yeah. of bulls, we have started the solid verbal bull mania pool yes. out on ESPN dot com. I posted the link very briefly on Twitter. You know how Twitter is. If, if you miss something, you'll never see it again unless you really dig back through. So I'll make sure that I post that along the right hand side on our website mm-hmm. as well as on the Facebook page. Again, it's a confidence pool. You know how those work. Pick the winner. Assign how many confidence points on a scale of one to 30 something. Right. And uh, whoever wins will give a will give a free shirt to. We also gave a free shirt to our friend uh, Bizarro Tyler in Nashville. Right. You awarded that shirt earlier today. He put a great picture up of his little his little puppy wearing a Mississippi State onesie. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good. Where are you as you're listening and who are you with? And he was with what looked to be some sort of wiener dog or wiener dog esque looking canine. And uh, I'm a softie at heart, Ty. And yeah, I appreciate it. He's always been a loyal verballer. So good for him. He will have a shirt coming his way. The other thing you can do if you're interested, I'm going to wind this uh, to a close shortly and I'll announce when exactly that is. But Verbies are yes. still open. If you've got nominations for any of the awards that we've listed right. or if you'd like to suggest a new award category, you can go out to solidverbal.com slash verbies and uh you know you could take care of that if you've got a uh, pressing opinion on something dan mm-hmm. we do the verbies every year we'll probably do it at some point in january to take a look back and reflect on the season but mama hildenbrand's gotten a ton of requests and a ton of great suggestions so far i would urge people to keep those coming definitely couldn't agree more all right we want to get to Stu. we do have a sponsor this evening it is the sponsor that we've discussed previously it is bombas that's b-o-m-b-a-s you can find them at bombas.com specifically bombas.com slash verbal they are athletic leisure socks daniel re-engineered to look better feel better and perform better did you get your socks yet i have not gotten my socks yet ty and you know what true story my feet are cold right now and as soon as i get those bombas i cannot wait for them to heat up i got my bombas two days ago I took them to fiance Kate's apartment. If you watched the video show we did, you saw I was at fiance Kate's apartment. Yep. I took some of the socks to fiance Kate. She tried them on. This is a direct quote from fiance Kate quote. Mm-hmm. I am never buying another pair of socks again. Wow. That is not me making it up. I'm not. That's honest to God. Truth. Big talk. So they are fiance Kate approved. If you head over to bombas.com, that's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash verbal. We had a huge response to this one um, all throughout the run of the ad. You'll get 20% off if you go to that address, bombas.com slash verbal. They're very comfortable, so comfortable that it took Bombas two years of research and development to refine the science. They're built like honeycombs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get support and tightness wherever you need it most in your arch. They fit perfectly. They're just the right tension. They stay up. They don't shift around because they've got a special Y stitching in the heel. No rubbing or chafing either on the ankle socks because they've got a nice little cushion tab in the back. We know how everyone hates rubbing and chafing, Dan. You know, I think in the right in the right situation, some rubbing, some little bit of chafing when you listen, especially when you're talking about that dirty, stanky Pat League. It's uh, it's not the worst. Besides that. (laughs) Yeah, besides that, you don't want that with your feet. No. Besides that, Bombas is also on an important mission to help those in need. It's big this time of year. You know that we're into that. They donate a pair of socks for every pair purchased because socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. Since October 2013, they've donated over 150,000 pairs of socks. So not only are the socks comfortable, but you're also helping others in need. One more time, the offer is 20% off at bombas.com slash verbal. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash verbal. All right, Dan, joining us now, a longtime friend of the solid verbal from Fox Sports and Fox Sports One and all the Fox family of networks. Very pleased to welcome our friend Stuart Mandel back to the solid verbal. Stu, how are you? I am great. How are you guys? We're doing well, thanks. Yeah, a little tired. How about you? What do you got on the docket now? Is this like uh, a day off for you or something? Yes, you happen to be catching me uh, on my first day off in several weeks, and wow. first day I think that I slept the full night in a long time. Uh, it was fun, though. I don't get me wrong. I ended the season 
kind of a marathon uh, trip to Texas where I spent the entire week uh, first with, with Baylor and, and with Art Bryles and with TCU and Gary Patterson and then went to both their games on Saturday. That was an 18-hour day. Um, and then uh, Sunday uh, covered the selection, uh, you know, live there from the Gaylord. So uh, it was a whirlwind ending to the season, to say the least. Um, it's taking a little bit to catch up. Um, but it was cool. It was cool to be part of history. Did the playoff work? I think it did. Um, you know, I went into the weekend thinking TCU should be the fourth team if they win, and then they won 55-3. to So that would lead to the logical question of why would they not finish in the top four. But, you know, I kind of wrote about it in the mailbag this week. Things kind of unraveled for the Big 12 teams that last week a little bit. And, yeah. of course, Ohio State. The combination, I would say, of Ohio State doing what it did to Wisconsin, and then the fact that even if, like me, you kind of subjectively felt that TCU was a little bit better team than Baylor and maybe even a better team than Ohio State, you could just, by the end of it, you could no longer justify ignoring the head-to-head. They played basically the same schedule, but for one game, you had to have Baylor ahead of TCU. So then it becomes Baylor against Ohio State. And I really think there are people on that committee in particular the sitting ADs, who are really uncomfortable with rewarding a team that intentionally scheduled nobody out of conference. And, you know, as much flack as Ohio State took for losing to Virginia Tech, one thing that doesn't get talked about at all is that that wasn't the only respectable non-conference opponent they, they, they put on their schedule. They also had right. Cincinnati. Cincinnati went 9-3 and three and won a share of the American uh, Conference. They clobbered Cincinnati, and even Navy, who uh, yeah. you know, is, a, is a respectable team. So that's three teams right there that are tougher than anybody Baylor went out and scheduled. And I think that was part of it. Uh, I think that there was probably contingent on that committee that said, well, if we take Baylor over Ohio State, we're telling teams all over the country, just don't bother scheduling anybody out of conference because it doesn't matter. Have you had a chance to talk to anybody on the committee in the wake of this decision? The committee is under a gag order until after the uh, national championship game. So uh, other than a very informal, and they let us into the room for about five minutes on Saturday morning. And most of those people, I, you know, it's, it's a weird situation because I I know most of those people on the committee. I've met them at some point or I've talked to them on the phone. They know me. And yet it's just like this unspoken thing. We can't talk about what you're doing in there. Um, I hope that we will get to talk to some of them eventually. But, you know, for now, it's basically just been Jeff Long and Bill Hancock speaking for the group. All right. So hypothetical question then. Once the gag order is lifted, you can ask any question to any committee member. What is the question and to whom are you asking it? That's a good question. Um, I would be most interested to talk to Oliver Locke because obviously the Big 12, that was the story of this election, was the Big 12 um, not getting a team in. And for, for, I thought the funny thing about Art Bryles saying that nobody on the committee knew anything about the baseball was that not only is Oliver Luck on there, Oliver Luck was at, I assume, I don't know if this is for a fact, but he is the AD of West Virginia, so I have to assume he was at the West Virginia TCU and West Virginia Baylor games, and of course that's the game Baylor lost. So I'd be very curious to hear, you know, what did you have to say about those teams in that room and how uncomfortable was it? to know that you were part of the panel that ended up leaving them out. That's fair. And one of the things you mentioned in talking about the committee is the sort of the feeling that they don't want to send the wrong message about scheduling. Do you feel like that is a reasonable way to look at let's find the best teams that they're they're thinking broader beyond the best teams of and what they've done this season that they are thinking about the playoff in a longer term sense when it is a short term decision for the four teams of 2014. I'm comfortable with it only if the teams are, are pretty close together, which I think they were. Sure. Um, obviously don't intentionally go out of your way to take one team over another because of that. But at the end of the day, you know, for all the, for all the time we spent dissecting this all season, when it got down to the end, if they had come out and said TCU, I would have been okay with that. If they come out and said Ohio State, I would have been okay with that. If they come out and said Baylor, I would have been okay with it. You're, there's four spots. There are six teams for four spots. They had to leave two teams out. And I just think 
you you know, ultimately you were splitting hairs with those three teams. So if that was a factor, I don't know if that was the deciding factor. Obviously, they made it seem more like the lack of a championship game was a deciding factor. I'm okay with that, considering to you know to me the big difference from the playoff or for the playoff from the BCF is when there was controversy with the BCF, everybody felt strongly one way or the other. Like I, right. I felt very strongly that Oklahoma State should have been in instead of Alabama in oh, 2011. Yeah. They had a they had a better resume, or or Texas should have been in instead of. Oklahoma in 08 because they beat them 45 to 35 because you were talking about two spots and if they got the second one wrong that's it we'll never know if that team could have won the national championship at the end of the day I don't think there's any injustice I mean I feel bad I really feel bad for the kids on TCU who are led to believe they were the number three team in the country you know five days before or four days before they went out and and won their last game 55-3 but I don't think there was any and nobody got robbed. There's no injustice. You know, those teams are all pretty pretty close together. Do you get a sense that, and this is obviously the playoff and the BCS is a it's a vehicle to appeal to the greatest number of college football fans to to have them watch the games and to go to the games. Do you get a sense that fans are satisfied outside of perhaps the Big Twelve or TCU and Baylor? Uh, and even outside of Ohio State, do you get a sense that the fans are satisfied with these four teams and the product that will be on the field come January one? I don't think anybody will ever be completely satisfied. We're all we'll always find something wrong. But I, yeah. I definitely could tell. You know, the Monday after the BCS would come out every year, my inbox would just be angst, nothing but angst, and we got to blow this thing up. And and what a travesty that it continues to exist. I wasn't getting that. I mean, certainly I was getting the conspiracy theories that right. uh, they had in the bag for Ohio State. They just want to, uh, the team that makes the most money and, and, and whatnot. But sure. for the most part, uh, there wasn't that angst. And now I wouldn't say that I had people going out of their way to email me to say how excited they are about the playoffs. But I think they are. I mean, look at the, you know, I saw that the uh, the playoff show itself, the, when they announced the team at that mm-hmm. moment, was getting a 3.5 TV rating, which is extremely high for for any yes. cable show, much less one 15 minutes before the first NFL game kicks off. Um, obviously, the interest in this is high, and when we get past this you know, kind of rehashing of, of the decision and get closer to the actual games, I have to think people are going to go, wow, we're going to get to watch Ohio State, Alabama, and Florida State, Oregon back-to-back on New Year's Day. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. To what degree do you think the Big 12 will or should react to being left out? Or is it just a, a scheduling thing for Baylor? Is it just a win every game if you're TCU? Or does the Big 12 have a playoff problem? It's hard to... I would caution them against overreacting to year one. Because right. if any of the four teams that made the playoff had lost their championship game, Baylor would be in and we would all be talking about Wow, how genius. Yep. They they didn't play the extra game and they avoided getting upset. So it could be a completely different scenario next year, but I would ex- at least expect them to set the wheels in motion. Get get, you know, they've been talking about it. I feel like they've been talking about it for three years about, oh, we're gonna petition the NCAA to let us have a championship game with ten teams. Just go ahead and do that. Uh even if you decide not to have one next year, at least have the option in place. And, you know, people are talking about expansion. I don't think that's gonna happen immediately, if at all. And, and then it's just up, you know, I don't think there's harm in hosting the championship game. Now it is a little clunky, like Bob Bolsey said. You're guaranteed to have two teams play each other again. But I don't get the sense people had a problem. I mean, nobody seemed to, to have any problem with Oregon playing Arizona again and, and the result going the other way. Right. Um, you know, ultimately, if they think it, it would be a fun event, it would make money, people would go to it, then they'll do it. And if not, go through another year of this, see what happens, and and find out. You know, once and for all, if if that's really going to be a problem going forward, or if it was just that happened to be the scenario that played out this year. All right, I want to move to some of the coaching news because that's pretty hot right now. But before we do, so hot right now, Ty. Yeah, it's it's got a whole Zoolander thing going on. Huh? Before we get there, you've looked at the two games. Do you favor one of those four teams over the other three in terms of who comes out of that four team bracket? Well, they're they're very close together. I think I, I don't feel like any one of the four goes in as a dominant, overwhelming favorite. I guess Alabama is the favorite. Um, but this this is a very good Alabama team, but it's not the 2009 or 2011 
Alabama teams. Um, I, I could see any of the other teams possibly beating them. So the, it sounds like a cop out, but I think any of the four teams could win it. It's a lot of, it's, and that happens a lot in basketball. You get into the Final Four, and it was hard for everybody just to get there. And once they get there, anything can happen. Um, I guess I would say that the team I'm least confident in is Florida State. I've been not very confident in them for for a while now, and you know I I've, I feel like I've been spending a lot of time nitpicking a 13 and 0 team, and they certainly deserve credit for going 13 and 0. But I just feel like unless during this time, during this time off, this bowl practice time, some of the five star guys on that team suddenly find their potential, this team right. does not has not played at the same level this season as the other three teams in the playoffs. They they've they've gotten as much as they can out of a kind of a team that has some pretty serious flaws. And so uh, I don't like their chances against Oregon. Um, i say they couldn't win that game. Asking them to win both games and be national champion, I just don't see it from that group. Wow. Okay. Well, let's move to coaching then. News at Nebraska, news at Florida, news at Michigan, news all around the country in terms of uh, coaching. What intrigues you the most so far of all the stories that have come out? Is it the firing of Pelini? Is it the hiring of Mike Riley? Is it the hiring of Jim McElwain? What What is it that sticks out to you if you are just looking at uh, what's transpired thus far? I'd have to go with Nebraska hiring Mike Riley. It came out of complete nowhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, It was not – usually something leaks out or there's some speculation – and you're talking about a guy, Mike Riley, who we all believe was going to finish his career in Corvallis, um, who had turned down other overtures before, and he just kind of, uh, I was I forget which Texas city I was in that day, but it just, just came out, you know, Nebraska tweeted it, hey, we have a new coach. It was so shocking on so many levels. It, it really was, and, and you're right to mention that he had other opportunities. USC is a big one that comes to mind. He turned down Alabama way back when Alabama hired uh, Mike Shula. Um, you know, he's he's a unique guy. He's, you know, the first time I visited him in Corvallis a few years ago when, when the Rogers brothers are still there, you know, he's eating, his, his whole family was at the training table, and and he goes back to his office, and he's got his dog sitting on the couch. I mean, it was it, it was the most um, unique atmosphere in college football. It was, it was such an outpost, and it was and right. it was cute that way. Um, now he's at sixty one, deciding to leave the comfort of that place and go to a place where obviously the demands are much higher. Um, where they just fired a coach who won nine games every year uh, at Oregon State. That was a huge achievement. So you know, I don't. I'm I'm mixed on the hire. I do think he's a really good coach. I don't think uh, people realize just what a disadvantage you're working at when you're at Oregon State. But I'd feel a lot better, I guess, if it were if this if this had come out two years ago, right after they had the season where they played um, Texas in the Alamo Bowl, and uh, you know everybody was high on Mike Riley at that moment. Um, nobody would be questioning this hire. But obviously, things haven't gone as well since then, and really. I believe for the last five years, Oregon State's had a losing record. So it's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting move for Nebraska, to say the least. He, he's had so many other opportunities, Stu. And no disrespect to Nebraska, but why did he take this job? I think the combination of um, two things. Um, people were starting to get restless at Oregon State, which I, you, know, you never know when you when you get those emails, those tweets. That might be a very small minority of the fan base, but it was that 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 movement was starting to grow. Of, uh, can we do better than this? Uh, and, and maybe they can, but I don't realize. I think those Morgan State fans realize how fortunate they were to not only have a coach of his caliber, but that he stayed so loyal for so long mm-hmm. when they couldn't pay him what he can make elsewhere. I think he's going to make almost double at Nebraska. They didn't have the facilities. And the other thing that I think has to wear on him is being is having Oregon as the uh, school that you're compared to. That's just <laughs> that's just not a fair fight. They've got night money they've got ridiculous facilities um obviously they've played at a very high level for many years now and that's i mean it, it was the civil war is a fun rivalry as dan well knows um they've had mm-hmm. some good games just last year that game went right down to the last second but yep. on a bigger picture long-term basis uh that's not a fair fight and you now you go to nebraska where you're the only uh the only show in the state mm-hmm. and um maybe that's a, a a change of pace for him as well 
I'll compare it to the situation to living in New York just because I live in New York and everybody that lives in New York can only think of New York. Um, do you, do you, I, I compare it to New York because the, you do not leave a job in this city unless you have something else lined up because it is expensive and it is a big risk. Nebraska in getting rid of a nine and 10 win coach at a place where it's difficult to recruit to and with a a more level playing field because more teams have money and facilities and have built histories. Do you feel like Nebraska in some way knew that they had Mike Riley lined up before getting rid of Bo Pelini? No, because they went for Brett Bielema first. Um, I think that, I think that you had to get rid of Bo Pelini. I know that there is a sentiment of, how you fire a guy who goes nine, who's won nine games every year, but right. it's not like they fired him knee-jerk, you know, three years in. He had seven right. years to show whether he could take Nebraska back to national prominence, and he just he just never did. They never won the big games. They never got past that 9-4 uh, and four hump. Uh, I believe they never finished higher than 15th in the final ranking, so it was time to make a change. Now, whether this is the right change, it's we will find out. So, the reason why I think it might work out and why it might turn out to be a good hire, mm-hmm. Nebraska has to figure out who they're going to be going forward, and it's just not realistic that they're going to recruit um, at the same level as Ohio State uh, right. or even a couple other, uh, Penn State, a couple of the other uh, programs in that conference. It's just the, the climate has changed. They don't have the natural uh, Texas tie-in that they did in the Big 12. Mike Riley is a great developmental coach. I mean, you look at the players that they've put into the NFL from Oregon State, none of them came in uh, as Leonard Fournette. You know, they, they, they had not come in ready-made. He developed them. And Nebraska, that might be exactly what they need. And he will be able to get higher caliber uh, prospects than he did at Oregon State for sure. Right. I just don't think he's been getting the Rivals.com number five class in the country. And yet their fans do expect to... Um, play and attain the, the level of success that the teams that get those recruiting classes do. So this is a different formula. It's a I got to give Nebraska the AD credit. It, it's yeah. a outside the box hire. It could blow up in his face, or it could work out really well. We'll see. Do you believe that? I don't know, and I don't have the the recruiting rankings in front of me. But do you believe a team in a power conference, in a major conference, can be a perennial top twelve team, which I imagine Nebraska fans and administrators hope this program to be? With a developmental coach, with a coach who you're gonna is going to have to develop three and four stars into four and five stars, because I, in front of me, I don't know if that's the case. I think you can reach a certain level. I think you can be Wisconsin. I mean, there's no, you know, sure. I say this a lot with Iowa because Iowa just continues to stand by Kirk Ferentz with yeah. the notion that while we're Iowa, we're in the middle, in the middle of this nowhere. How we just can't expect any better. What's the difference between Wisconsin and Iowa? Why, why is Wisconsin entitled to be an annual Big Ten contender and Iowa is not? And I and it's certainly the same goes true for Nebraska. So I certainly think that that model can work to that level. But while you look at what happened in the Big Ten championship game, yeah. Well, I think that was kind of a perfect storm kind of night, and not necessarily indicative of the the gap between those two teams. But it is the case that Ohio State is recruiting the best players in the country and putting mm-hmm. the best talent out there. And Wisconsin is trying to develop, you know, those traditional, uh, what's always worked for Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielema, develop offensive linemen. You do throw a superstar like Melvin Gordon in the mix, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, a modest quarterback like Estave, or, or you name them before that. Zane, and yeah. so Wisconsin's gone to Rose Bowls that way, and, and I think yeah. Nebraska could too. I don't know that you can win national titles that way. Fair enough. Uh, let's put on your, your hindsight cap um, and look back to August and I will try to balance this out. What, what team or situation do you feel like you can most powerfully toot your own horn and put on your stew, the magnificent turban uh, about, about knowing that they were going to be great or terrible and which team do you sort of slap your forehead and say, of course I was wrong about this. How could I have been so wrong? Well, I'm embarrassed to say that the conference that I know the best at this point because of where I live is the Pac-12, and that's right. the conference I got the most wrong in terms of preseason predictions. I had Washington winning the North. I had Arizona not going to a bowl game. I mean, pretty much everything about my Pac-12 predictions were wrong. Okay. Um, I will say that I, saw, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily see 8-4 and four coming, but I saw Oklahoma being 
the most overrated team out of those preseason contenders. And in fact, somebody pointed out that the four playoff teams are, are four of the preseason top five. AP yeah. Teams. Even the outlier the, was Oklahoma. The preseason top 10 is surprisingly accurate. I think it was Oklahoma and Stanford and everybody else looks like a top 15 team, I believe. Well, and of course I, I, I overreacted to Auburn the year before and, uh, um, you know, tried to pick crazy things like UCLA going to the playoff and mm-hmm. uh, and, and whatnot. And, and so, of course, it turns out to be a, kind of a chalk year. I guess PCU would not, certainly, certainly not a, a chalk pick. But the one thing I will toot my own horn about is, this is not specific to, you know, this is more of a general prediction, but when the college football playoff announced in April they were going to do these weekly rankings, I vehemently disagreed with it, and I wrote a column saying so. And I came up with a hypothetical example, and you will not believe how <laughs> how close it came to, be, to actually happening. I said it was Oklahoma that I used as the example, not uh, TCU. And I said, imagine that Oklahoma is number three going to the final rankings, and they beat two and nine. And I said Kansas, not Iowa State, fifty-five-seven. Well, TCU ended up winning fifty-five-three and then drops out of the top four because their schedule got worse. Well, that's exactly what happened. So that one, I, I think, is probably better than any you know actual football prediction that I made. Fair enough. Strong enough. Um, the other hire that we neglected to talk about, which I think we can in a way that looks forward as well, uh, Jim McElwain, Colorado State to Florida. Is there the factor, and this is something we hear a lot of after the season ends, of overreaction? Nebraska hired a nice guy after getting rid of an abrasive guy. Florida hires an offensive guy after getting rid of a defensive guy. If I had to guess, I would imagine that Michigan might be a might and has been rumored to be looking at offensive guys after, after themselves getting rid of a defensive guy. Do you feel like it was an overreaction? How do you grade out that hire? It's pretty good hire. There are no brainer. There were no, like with the year that Ohio State had an opening and Urban Meyer was sitting there, there, there aren't, isn't anybody like that right now, unless Jim Harbaugh decides to come back to college, which I am skeptical of. Right. Uh, you know, McElwain showed in a short amount of time um, that he's a, he can build a program. He's a good head coach. His offensive record is, is pretty, um, you know, I, I look not so much to the Nick Saban part of it, though that's obviously important. Mm-hmm. I look at what he did at Colorado State. He had the number two rated passer in the country this season, and he yep. had a really solid running game with D. Hart. I, I think he, his offensive approach will work at Florida. And, you know, I think Jeremy Foley was looking for a proven head coach because obviously hiring a coordinator has not worked out well for him and somebody with an offensive background. And I think he got both in that point. Stu, is he a proven head coach, though? Because he's only been at Colorado State three years. Does that make you at all skittish that maybe they went out on a limb to get that proven head coach, but he's not really all that proven? No, that's a good point. It's not like you're going out and hiring somebody who's been a head coach for, for 10 years and, right. and done it certainly at a, at a, in a major conference level. Um, but mid-majors have become the, the breeding ground. I mean, I think, it's a, I think schools want... I think at this point, schools would rather hire somebody who's shown they can win at the FBS level as a head coach than a coordinator. Because coordinators are a huge gamble. It's hard to tell. Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, the skill set required to be a head coach is not does not overlap that much with the skill set to be a coordinator. So, I think you know, short of of, uh, of some like a Les Miles or somebody who's been a you know been a head coach at that level, you know, I don't mind going out and getting a guy at Colorado State. All right, um, it's not often we get to do this, Dan. Actual Uh breaking news on the show. What in the world is going on in the world of college football now? As I have a ticker in my life that just follows me around. It's a hologram ticker. No, uh, I'm looking at Twitter right now, and it is confirmed by the Oregon State Twitter account and athletic department that they have hired Wisconsin coach. Wow. Gary Anderson. Stu, you just mentioned Wisconsin and how their philosophy has sort of been since the Barry Alvarez time of development. They now lose their coach. He was at Utah State, of course. After, what is this, two seasons, Gary Anderson heads back west. Your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction is we should redo the part where I said that the Mike Riley to Nebraska was the most (laughs) part of the coaching carousel. Because it just got, I can't believe 20 minutes later it got one up. Wow! Obviously, this is this is staggering. Uh, 
leaving Wisconsin to go to Oregon State to to a job that I think a lot of people consider the hardest job in the Pac-12, leaving yeah. you know one of the most established programs in the Big Ten. Uh, what can you say? Clearly, Gary Anderson was not a happy man at Wisconsin to, to do this. Um, there was something going on behind the scenes, and and we will try to find out what that is. But what a hire for Oregon State! My gosh, to get a guy who you know there's a proven head coach for you guys. So now Paul Chris to Wisconsin is that the immediate thought? Can he get Bielma back? <laughs> <laughs> I think Bielma's too late for that. He's even more hog than he was last week. He's going to get so much money. I can't believe Barry Alvarez has to do another coaching search. Um, does that wait? Does this mean Barry Alvarez will coach in their bowl game again? Oh, that's a good point. Time Ooh. to get the, get the whistle back on. Nice. Gosh, he's had a lot going on. I mean, he just got done picking the playoff teams, and now he's got to go do a coaching search. Um, yeah, that is a, that is a stunner and good for Oregon State. I was starting to wonder who exactly would be attracted to that job because, like I just said. Um, in terms of facilities, in terms of recruiting base, um, you know, other than maybe Washington State, I don't know if there's anybody that has it harder in the Pac-12. So to be able to get a coach of that caliber is just unbelievable. By the, and by the way, you look at the roster, and I'm seeing this Jason Kirk just posted it uh, from SB Nation, the roster of coaches in the Pac-12 now. Ooh, Chris Peterson, yeah. Chris Peterson, David Shaw, Sonny Dykes, Gary Anderson, Mark Helfrich, Mike wow. Leach. That's a ridiculous division of coaches. Wow. And when the job opened up and people asked me who should they go out and get, I said, I don't know exactly, but the the bar has been, you know, in the last two or three years, the Pac-12, my gosh, they've gone out and hired Chris Peterson, Rich Rodriguez, Mike Leach, Jim Mora, uh, Todd Graham. Like, <laughs> you can't go out and hire a division, uh, an FCS coach like they often have done in the past. So uh, Oregon State answered the bell. So wow. the, the only one not hiring at this point then is the Michigan Wolverines. Who are they going to get? Yeah, can you believe that? They, the Oregon State beat them to the punch there for uh, Gary Anderson. The thing, with, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing with Michigan is nobody's running the ship right now. And right. from what I've been told, the coaching search is going very slowly and deliberately. And, and, and one logical reason for that is they're waiting on Jim Harbaugh. Whether he's going to say yes or no, they've got to – at least wait for an answer, and they can't do that until after the 49ers season ends. So there's not a rush to go run out and hire somebody right now. But even then, you've got a president who has indicated, an Ivy League guy who's indicated he knows nothing about athletics, and an interim AD, and we don't know how long he'll be on the job. So uh, it's tough for Michigan right now, because whoever takes that job is taking a real leap of faith in terms of going to that job, not knowing really who they're going to be working for. It's certainly a high-profile gig. We had a discussion on this show how high profile a gig is it? Is it a top five job? Is it a top 10 job, a top 20 job? Where where do you think that job ranks out compared to some of the others we've discussed? I think if the leadership, if the right leadership was in place, it would be a no-brainer top 10 job because that brand carries such uh, power across the country. And while Michigan has lost population, it's still a pretty good state for talent. Obviously, Michigan State is doing very well with mostly in-state kids. But because of the, the tenuous situation there right now, I drop it from top 10 to maybe top 20. And in fact, when they both opened up, I said right now Nebraska seems more attractive than Michigan because it's a little more stable. Um, you know, Ohio State's got it rolling right now with Urban Meyer. We actually had a conversation in the press box the other night. Somebody asked me if I would take the over-under on Ohio State winning the next five Big Ten titles. I said I would take the under because maybe it'll be one year in there where Things don't go right for them, but that's kind of how it is right now. Matt Conference. they are so far above everybody in terms of the level of coach they have and the amount of talent they're accumulating. And it's going to be tough for whoever takes the Michigan job to, first of all, start rebuilding that roster because it's just not very good. And then, of course, have to be measured, much like we talked about the Oregon, Oregon State, have to be measured every year by how you do against Ohio State, who is just head and shoulders above the rest of that conference. We have dissected as much as we can about breaking news, news that we already knew with coaches, the playoff. I want to get you out of here on this because I'm sure you want to further investigate all sorts of more coaching carousel things. I believe this year was your lightest travel year collectively in a long time because you were on the, well, I guess cross country and, and major travel year because you did a lot more West Coast things with TV and stayed home a little bit more. But how do you consider yourself to be as a traveler? Um, 
what what are your your most important tips and tricks navigating airports and airplanes? Something that I assume and am positive you do more than about ninety nine percent of people listening. Well, first of all, it turned out to be my heaviest travel year. I just oh, figured sorry. out the other day. I mean, the distance might not have been as far for some of those LA trips, but uh, I figured out the other day that I spent fifty nights in hotels during the football season, and that was probably not quite double, but maybe close to double wow. a typical season at SI, just because there were no home weekends. If I wasn't at a game, I was in L.A. And we did a lot of, you know, with the TV responsibilities, we would do a lot of, like last week, go in, instead of going to the game, go in on Tuesday and get mm-hmm. a sit down with the head coach. Right. So I wrote a lot. And my number one tip would be, if you are living in or going to a city that Southwest serves, become a Southwest A-list mm-hmm. member, because I did. Wow. From just all these trips to from, from San Jose to L.A. And so the worst part about traveling, especially in our job where often you make the travel arrangements at the last minute, is getting a middle seat. There's just nothing worse than being in the middle seat, especially right. you have to do work. I had a trip this year where I had to finish my Sunday column. I'm in the middle seat. The guy in front of me, of course, leans all the way back. The guy to the right of me is kind of a big dude and, and not very respectful of the of the unwritten rules. The guy in the middle seat gets both armrests. So, I mean, I was writing that column, and I could not move my right arm. So, if you get loyalty on Southwest, though, you're guaranteed to be high in that, you know, in the, in the you know, like A, A20 or whatever in the boarding, and you will always have an aisle seat towards the front of the plane. So, that would be my number one tip. And... Uh, what was the other part about airports? Yeah, what navigating airports? What what are your pro tips, security wise, go food wise, um, timing wise? What what to you has really made you uh, an efficient traveler in your eyes? Well, I don't get there. I, I, I you just kind of you start to after you do it enough, you start to realize you have a good sense of when you need to leave. Um, some some places are further than others to get there so that you'll have enough time to, like, I don't want to be running to the gate, you know, sweating through my clothes. I don't want to get cut at that close. But I also don't want to get stuck spending an hour sitting at, um, sitting at a stale airport gate, eating food from Hudson News and uh, using the unreliable Wi-Fi. So just give yourself enough time to comfortably, you know, get what you need. Um, one thing I would definitely say, never, ever go on a long flight. Um, without buying food at the airport first. Don't be like, oh, they'll probably have something on the plane. Right. Uh, whatever they have on the plane will not be that good, and they'll probably run out of it by the time they get to 2016. So yep. always buy something, and preferably not one of those pre-made wrapped sandwiches that has possibly been sitting there for three days. Um, maybe Google a little bit, find out what vendors are at the airports here for a good idea, going in what your options are going to be. Uh, very quickly, you mentioned unspoken rule about having both armrests in the middle. Mm-hmm. What about reclining your seats, Stu? Are you a, re- a pro recliner, an anti recliner? Where where do you stand on that debate? Situational recliner. Yeah, I'm not one. Of, I'm never going to be one of those that goes out and buys that device that keeps the person in front of you from leaning back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, Ridiculous. That's, a, that's about as low on the list of. of I mean, that's, you don't want to be that guy. Um, I, it stinks. There's no other way around it. It stinks when you. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on like, like a lot of people now have pushed to using their tablets, and that so doesn't they don't need as much space. But I am a writer, so I need to be on my laptop a lot. And when that person leans all the way back, you're like, great, <laughs> this is going to be three hours of writing in an uncomfortable position. You know, the monitor can't open all the way, so it stinks. And so I just say, do you have to go all the way back? Maybe halfway would work. Um, Mm-hmm. Is it going to make that big a difference in the in your comfort level, whether you leaned all the way back or not? Just have a little bit of respect for the person behind you. All right. Using the traveling, the traveler's committee, traveler's selection committee in your mind, what is your, when you factor in food, comfort, ease of movement, uh, traffic, when you, when you, Look through the resume of airports everywhere, resumes of airports everywhere. What is your number one overall airport in the United States of America? Um, number one airport in the entire United States. I haven't been to all of them. Right, um, but that you've been to. I'm assuming- like, I've heard good things about Minneapolis, but I don't generally fly through there. Love Minneapolis. Um, 
you know, Atlanta it has all the amenities, but it's such a it's such a nightmare, such a zoo. Right. But I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I'll tell you what's an underrated one: Austin, Texas. Bergstrom. It's, it's uh, not too big, not too small, and there's a Salt Lake barbecue stand right mm-hmm. when you get past security. Uh, I believe there's a couple other things there as well. It's clean, free Wi-Fi. Uh, I think I might go with that. That's a good answer. All right. Again, his name, Stuart Mandel. Stu, I I thought this might have been a day off for you, but alas. That has just ended. Yeah, we've jinxed the whole operation here. Uh, Go and do what you got to do. We will see you hopefully in a few weeks down in Dallas. And in the meantime, thanks for coming on and uh, take care. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, Dan. Wow. We had some breaking news in the middle of a live to tape interview. Yeah. Um, Unexpected. That's the first time we've ever had a chance to do that. That is true. Um, really didn't imagine Gary Anderson leaving no. Madison anytime soon. Really figured he was going to build something, especially if he were to move in a new direction offensive coordinator-wise in Madison, and for him to leave a clear second-tier job, and I mean that as a, a compliment in Wisconsin, to go to third or fourth-tier job speaks volumes about what we can assume is some level of unhappiness at the Wisconsin job or in Madison, uh, mostly for him. And that is a bit of a shocker because Oregon state, as Stu mentioned, might be the toughest and least desirable job in the PAC 12. Certainly a good situation. The West coast is a, is a nice place to coach. You can recruit California and he does have that West coast experience, but it is certainly when you look at the ease to get to a conference championship game, Right. Much easier at Wisconsin than it is in Corvallis. And uh, I, you know, I, from the Oregon state perspective, it's slam dunk home run track and field term, everything you want in a, in a coaching hire, because a lot of the the names that were being tossed around, whether um, decent or indecent were, were big coordinators on the West coast, Justin Wilcox um, guys like that. And for them to go out and get, a proven winner on the, in the sort of Western side of the country and in the big 10, that's um huge, huge coup for the beeves to go from a program like Wisconsin, which you said in a complimentary fashion is second tier to a job like Oregon state. That's sort of like the anti lane Kiffin, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. It is. um It is sort of out of nowhere. And I, whew, can't imagine Wisconsin's too pumped too. I mean, is there any other name that, that we didn't mention that makes sense to you for that Wisconsin opening? Of course, Paul Chris, Paul Chris is the one who jumps off the page, uh, you know, familiar with Madison, obviously yeah. with his offensive coordinating time, there, head coaching experience now. Yeah. Here's the thing about Paul Chris though. Has he really been that successful at Pittsburgh? He hasn't been there all that long, but it's not well, like he has set the world on fire at Pitt. Right. Um, yeah, I it's it's a, almost a similar situation to Mike Riley, although Mike Riley is is much more entrenched as a head coach with experience in that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the the winning resume, but as a head coach, but certainly has still a name, especially in the context of that Wisconsin job. I I feel like Wisconsin might be able to do better. I don't know if there's a, a like a Mac coach. There was, there's been so much turnover recently in the Mac that it doesn't necessarily make sense. I don't know if there's another big 10 coach to make a, a Steve Sarkeesian like move within the conference to Wisconsin. Um, obviously let's see the, the defensive coordinator for Ohio state. Chris Ash was the former defensive coordinator during the Brett Bielema time, then went with him to Arkansas. Then urban Meyer hired him and, you know, certainly an up and down season defensively for Ohio state, but he's somebody familiar with, uh, with Madison and the way things work at Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez, um, Dave Doran at NC state. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly a name. I, cause he was what he was the, he was a coordinator at he Wisconsin coordinator. before going to Northern Illinois as, as, uh, as the head coach there under Jerry kill. I don't know. Can we throw Matt Canada out there just to get all the Wisconsin fans pipered up? Sure. Matt Canada, he's a Utah State yeah. head coach, and he was certainly a name that I think was in the running or at least bandied about for the Oregon State job, which certainly made sense. Um, I don't know. It's I really, a crazy, that's- crazy move. Definitely did not see that one coming. And it, it's ironic because before the show, I went to the roster 
that CBSSports.com has up on its website, somewhere on its website, where they show you all the coaching openings, who's been hired. And I remember looking at it and I think, well, Michigan, Michigan's really the only the only one there. And then out of left field, you've got Gary Anderson leaving Wisconsin. You've got two pretty high profile openings in the northern part of the Big Ten. It's uh, going to be interesting. We've got a lot of work to do before we get to a full roster of coaches. Yes, we absolutely do. I'm I'm very excited to see uh, to see how everything plays out these next couple weeks through recruiting. There's all star games. There's all sorts of recruiting that needs to happen at all these major schools. Now, Mike Riley hitting the road hard, bringing assistance with him for Nebraska. It is um, it is that crucial, crucial time to try to yeah. keep classes together, attract players that you would recruit it to other schools, to your new school. It's um, it's hectic. It's all heck, Ty. There you go. There you go. Well, again, big thanks to our guest of honor this evening, Stuart Mandel. I hope we didn't jinx his day off, Dan. It's looking like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I really hope Stu can get a sensible night's sleep again tonight. Yeah. You know, have a hearty dinner. Maybe. I don't know how the, how the weather is in California. It's lightly snowing here. It's for lack of a better term, Stu weather. It's yeah. I'm going to have to drive home in this in about an hour and a half. I just saw a, a um a tweet from it looks like it's the official men's basketball account for Wisconsin. Bo Ryan can coach both teams. <laughs> That's great. Um, oh remember those gosh. old rumors about, uh, about Izzo Michigan state, like, well, he's a leader of athletes in East Lansing. Right. I mean, is it the worst idea? Yes. Yes, it is. The it's worst it's idea. actually kind of the worst idea. Yeah. There is nothing worse than that idea. Um, but there you go. Wisconsin. Yeah. Just when you think things are settling down, Alas, we've got Gary Anderson leaving Wisconsin. Oh, I'm seeing a Wisconsin fans have a message for Gary Anderson and it is, it is eat shit F you. Okay. I'm, I'm now seeing that. So the Wisconsin motto coming in handy. Very, very good. Well, big yeah. thanks again to Stu. Hope he's able to get to the bottom of this, find out why exactly Mr. Anderson took the job in Corvallis. In the meantime, mm-hmm. do check out our 20% offer from our sponsor Bombas. That's B-O-N-B-A-S. Oh, yeah dot com slash verbal b o m b a s dot com slash verbal. We will be posting the link to our pick and pool if you're interested. Don't forget to get your verbies in at solidverbal dot com slash verbies mm-hmm. if in fact you're interested in participating in our make believe award show that we do annually yes. to make ourselves really feel important. That's all it exists for. We are important. Damn it, Daniel. Enjoy your evening. Hey. You as well. What, what's for dinner, Ty? I think we're, are we going to both do Italian food? Uh, I mean, not together, but probably oh. separately. Okay, fair enough. I'm at Mama Hildenbrand's right now recording, so Italian's always on the menu here. When you're there, you're family. Big thanks again for listening. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and FanCred. And of course, on the Twitters for that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein for myself, Ty Hildenbrand. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you this weekend. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.